Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Two Pints of Maggots and a Packet of Hooks, the fishing podcast. It seems an absolute age since I last put together a podcast when we did what was called The Forum. It was the first time where we managed to get a number of people across the angling industry uh, to talk about various things, uh, the main subject being the angling press and media. Uh, And since that time, I've just not been involved. To be quite honest, I've been enjoying my own fishing and that's what it's all about. I haven't felt under any pressure to rush material out. And to be honest, to get three people together um, at the same time when everybody's got busy lives is really difficult to do. So the forum was a great idea at the time. In practice, it probably wasn't as easy as I imagined, Uh, but it worked well. That was around May time. And since that point, I've just been out fishing, doing my own thing. I just haven't had time. I've had a holiday. I've had COVID. And there's not really been a, a list as long as my arm that I've wanted to get on the show. So I don't want to put out material for material's sake. In saying that, an opportunity presented itself recently where I just had to try something completely new and and combine something really. So I, I did a bit of a, listen, I'm not a great video editor, a filmmaker, a content creator, whatever you want to call it, but I do a few YouTube videos and opportunity to, to get along to a relatively new fishery called Hall Farm Fishery here in Lincolnshire. And it just happens to be owned by Steve Gregory. Steve Gregory, for those of you in the know, was a massive name in the 90s and the noughties, a real pioneer when it comes to uh, big match weights. He broke the British UK five-hour match record three times. He'd won the Browning Masters, some big events, a big team matches as well. He wasn't just a one-trick pony. And, and Steve's got a fishery here. And I thought, he needs a little bit of exposure, get it out there and, and let's go and have a little look. I fished it once on a match previously, but go and have a proper look. So I thought, well, whilst I'm there, why don't I have a conversation with Steve and, and see what his story is all about? And I actually didn't realise just how heavily involved he has been with the development of some of the biggest commercial fisheries in the UK. I'm not going to name names and spoil it because, of course, you're going to get to listen to it. But the interesting thing was we were fishing. So I actually filmed us fishing and talking and I've extracted the audio and I've popped it here for your pleasurable delight much better if you especially for those guys the feedback i get is that the podcast is popular for people driving for work you're going for a business meeting you've got to go to the other end of the country whack the podcast on whether it be spotify deezer acast itunes whatever and have a little listen that way so this is perfect um you will get all the, the sounds of course of of being on the bank um and some of it you know, you really need to see to bring it to life. So on the link, of course, I will put the um, the link to the YouTube video, uh, which will be available at the same time. What about the press pack? What about the tackle shed? 
the two usual features that we concentrate on during the podcast. Well, to be fair, I don't think I can fit in three or four months worth of news and tackle reviews um, in a short show. So just a couple of things that come to the top of my head. Fishermania. Wow, what a final. Possibly the best Fishermania final we've ever had at Westwood Lakes with Christian Jones stealing it at the end. Um, England are European champions as well. Those of you that listen regularly, you will know that I'm a massive advocate fan of international fishing. Um, It was always a dream of of mine as a boy to fish for England. Um, So I always grew up following those guys like Bob Nudd, Kim Milsom, Steve Gardner, etc. So to see the young guns now taking gold under the tutorage of Will Raisin, fantastic. It really is. Tackle-wise, crikey, so much stuff has come to the market. And I guess the big question on everybody's lips is how will this cost of living crisis impact the tackle industry? We've just gone through a massive pandemic where we actually did very well out of it. But now are we going into a an area where people have got much, much less disposable income? And will they sacrifice on their hobbies and their sporting activities? I hope not. Um, and maybe those pennies that perhaps should have been put to one side during the pandemic that were being earned. If they've not been put to one side, um, some tackle shops might struggle a wee bit. But in terms of tackle that's come out, it is now more affordable than ever. A case in point, check out the Daiwa Matchman range of rods. Between 40 and 50 quid, I picked up the 9-foot method feeder rod. What a piece of kit for 40 quid. Um, what I'm starting to see as well, I quite like the look of, is we've had this mega, mega hot summer, of course. You're going to start seeing SPF clothing coming into the stores because it's so important. Um, seen some sites, people not putting cream on, burnt to buggery, um, and, and it's not good. Absolutely not. So you think of these Italian manufacturers, your Colmix of this world, Tubertini, um, people like that. They've always had long sleeve SPF, breathable fabric material. Um, their guys have worn on the continent for years. We will start seeing that here. Um, I know that Browning have, have, have entered the market with some club. I know that Guru have certainly got some some shirts in the offing. I've started buying some from Mountain Warehouse because I just, you know, I don't want to sit there burning to a frazzle. Um, so you're going to see start seeing a change in what we wear as anglers, especially match anglers um, on the bank over, I'm sure, the, the coming year. Um, I've just seen today that Preston have done a massive August launch. They've got a new affordable suit coming out for autumn, winter time. Um, a new range of superior rods, a new absolute seat box. So it, it's just constant at the minute. I, this is all stuff just coming off the top of my head. Um, I've not got anything in front of me. I've, I've not got any magazines. Um, these are just things that we've seen in the press. So it's a real competitive market and you can get good quality tackle. Um, oh, let's not forget the Guru A-Class range will be launched very soon as well. So for those, you're a lot of negativity. Guru is very expensive. Of course not. But it takes time to build a range uh, where there's something to suit everybody. So really looking forward to seeing the those hit the market. Hotly followed by, of course, the pole launch, which was at the end of, of July. I've not had a waggle of those poles yet, but they do look impressive. So tackle-wise, loads of stuff out there. News, it, there's just too much to cover off. I, I guess one emotive subject, just to cover off briefly as well, it's not necessarily, it is in the angling press, but it's in the wider media, is this pollution situation that's going on. We're going through a drought. We have massive issues with over-abstraction. Uh, we have issues with 
pesticides getting into our natural waterways and into some commercial fisheries as well. And and we're in a real sticky situation in now where water companies are, are basically pumping sewage into our rivers and onto the coastline. It's a big problem. And the only people, as always, fighting our corner is, is the Angling Trust, the Banging the Drum, uh, the Canal and Rivers Trust as well. Fergal Sharky, he loves it. Um, and I think this type of stuff that's affecting our sport, we are stronger as one and we are stronger getting together with other bodies as well, other river users, um, other you know waterway users as well. And hopefully these big water companies, which are just racketeers, in my opinion, really need to, to get the book thrown at them. So that's my little take on the last couple of months in a very, very brief spell. But what I want to do is, is hand straight into, to, we can call it the big chat again, for sure. Uh, this chat with Steve Gregory. Uh, and as I say, listen, I'm, I'm not a, an expert content creator. The, you know, the sound is a little bit up and down, but it, it's listenable. It's not as as, as polished as, uh, as my podcasts normally are. But hand it over and have a little listen to Big Chat with Steve Gregory. Teddy Fisher Baits specialise in the manufacture of fishing ground bait and additives. We combine a 40-year-old proven fish-catching recipe and the experience of our skilled team. Fishing is an adventure, and here at Teddy Fisher, we strive to make that adventure a success. Go to www.teddyfisher.co.uk to see our full range of baits. Well, here we are. This is Hall Farm Fishery. And this is owned by Steve Gregory. It's almost like two canals that run parallel to each other that are linked at the end. And you can see, just at the end there, where I'm setting my gear up, the main man, Steve Gregory himself. He's gonna be talking us through some tactics on this relatively new fishery. It's only been dug out properly for about a year or so, but it's a real mixed water. And that's important for me because as much as I love F1s and carp, you might have got the uh, the drift now that I love my silverfish fishing as well. So we're going to have a two-pronged approach today. I'm going to fish with natural baits, maggot, caster, and some worms over a little bit of ground bait. And Steve's going to fish his preferred expander pellet tactic that he uses on here, which hopefully if you guys come along and visit, um, you can sort of replicate and have a good day's fishing. There are regular matches on here as well. He has a midweek open and also uh, on a Sunday. So well worth a visit. So let's get tackled up and let's do some fishing. We're all set up, whole farm fishery. What pegs this, Steve? Um, that's peg four, I'm on peg five. Peg four and five, and there's 12 in total. Now, as I said at the start, it's almost like two canals that are adjoined at the end. There he is, there's the expert. You'll get to learn a lot more on this video because there's a proper <laughs> angler who's showing you what to do. Um, so it's a bit of a hybrid is this video because we can talk a little bit about the fishery and the tactics of course but also a little bit about Steve himself so I think Steve for me it'd be fair to say you were a bit of a pioneer in commercial angling mm. is that going too far you're very modest I suppose yeah I suppose it was really because um when I first started off doing the pace fishing at Drayton, there was nobody really doing anything like that. And um, it was a bit of a novelty, to be honest, like, because everybody was fishing sort of like pellets and 
you know, corn and stuff like that. And then when the paste came on the scene, it just took over completely. And what year are we talking about when we, we talk about these big match weights, you were making five hour match records and all sorts? So, at what, 90s? Uh, 1997 was the first year I did it down at Drayton. Yeah. Uh, the record, British record stood at 199 pounds, and um, I got 304 pounds something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a bit of a novelty to be to be honest. Like, and it was, everybody said, "No, oh, it's a it's one-off and all that," but it turned out not to be at all. That's right, and. From those big weights, this is my first shot by the way, Steve's been fishing a while, that's my excuse. <laughs> um, from those big weights, you was obviously using a recipe of your own, if, that, if that's the right word, a, a bait of your own, a paste yeah. mix of your own. That's right. And did that then lead to you starting miracle baits? It did, yeah. I mean, the... The fact of the matter is, uh, I was winning all the matches down there, and a lot of people refused to fish because obviously that I was right? winning unless I would let them have some of my bait. <laughs> so it started off. I was I was mixing all the baits up and even soaking the pellets and selling them to the anglers on the bank, yeah, um, so that they were actually fish. And it just sort of spun from there, to be honest. Yeah. Now, this fishery now, Old Farm, we spoke before the camera started rolling. How long have you been here? Um, about two and a half years of being here altogether. I mean, yeah. we bought the property, it was two cottages uh, and a little bit of land, and um, decided to turn the two cottages into one house Yeah. and build a pond in my back garden, which, hey ho, this is it. <laughs> You wasn't planning on building a fishery then? The plans were to find a fishery elsewhere and obviously um, have a fishery not site, basically. Yes. And then, to be fair, when I thought about it, I've had a little bit of bad luck over the past few years with fisheries. Um, one thing or another, and it cost me a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. So I just decided that Probably with all the hassle, just not to uh, run a big fishery anymore and just have a small place and try and keep it personal, to be quite honest. Yeah. Do your own thing. Yeah. So, so now we're established then, Steve. We're, like you said, about a year in since digging this out. Yeah. Tell the listeners, what, what was your thinking behind the stocking policy? Because... What attracted me to here is the fact that every time the float goes under, you don't really know what it's going to be. It's not just a carp and F1 water, is it? Uh, well, my intentions were to make it a good fishery. Uh, I've gone past all the big weights, and I, I'm not really interested in catching three and three and four hundred pounds every time I go fishing. I just like to enjoy my fishing more these days, and it's nice to catch different species. I mean, yeah. skimmers, F1s, cruisins, tench, rud, roach, everything, to be honest. And I thought, if I can make a nice, decent, mixed fishery, it might attract 
not I'm not saying better stamp of angler but um, not the ones what just want to catch a thousand pound every time they go <laughs> well you say that but the match record uh, sorry the match weights on here are decent aren't they yeah yeah they're, they're decent I mean at the moment it's not fishing very well due to that uh, heat wave what we had um, but it's starting to pick up a little bit now I've just got a jacuzzi here I've made a not made an error, but I've put a bit of ground bait in because we know there's a lot of skimmers in here. And I always knew it was with a silty bottom it was going to fizz up a little bit. But just for your knowledge, for the, for the listeners, what we're doing, I've gone down a bit of a natural route. I love fishing maggots, casters, worms, over ground bait. And with it being mixed, I thought, we'll get a bit of, bit of this bait in, a bit of Teddy Fisher Lake bit of chop worm and caster over the top and I knew it would be like this I actually I'm itching to get a bit of paste out but I refuse to I'm going to stick to my guns whereas yourself Steve you are a fan of, of at the minute we know that fisheries go through cycles and at the minute for you it's all about expanders what why is that uh, well I just love fishing expander and I think you can catch most fish on expander pellet it's not as um, selective as some baits uh, it's a big bait. It's six big, mils, right? Yeah, it's six mil. It's a big visual bait, but to be fair, there's not a lot of feed content in it because there's a lot of um, when it's dry, it's full of air, and then when it's pumped, it's full of water. Yeah. And if you get six mil expander in your finger and thumb and rub it together, yeah, there's hardly anything there. No. So it looks like you're feeding a lot, but you're not actually, and it keeps the fish interested. With that as well, with um, expanders, most people certainly going sort of back in the day when snake lake fishing, where I'm from up in the northwest, a lot of our fishing 10, 15 years ago was all about tapping in micros and fishing an expander over the top. Whereas you're actually feeding expanders yeah. as well as fe feeding, yeah. fishing them on the hook. I certainly do, and I feed plenty of them. Uh, like I said, there's not a lot of feed content content in the pellet so um, and it makes a nice splash when it goes in yeah it does uh, you it, don't realize how easy they are to throw and what noise they do make yeah the, the fish just love them to be fair well I'm, I'm gonna stick a great big worm on now because for me when you've got a fizzing peg and I've <laughs> made it fizz myself <laughs> by putting too much bait in there's only two baits really for a fizzing peg and that's a great big worm or a lump of paste. And as I say, I'm avoiding the paste. Um, so tell us, it's an interesting one. We've had, we've had on the podcast before a couple of times, Alex, Alex Dockersy from Lindholm. And we've done a bit of a fishery special about, um, you know, the type of visitors they get, the demographics why they started desilting some of the lakes and basically fishery management really and Alex gives a bit of an insight into that but of course you're the man getting your hands dirty and doing the digging and, and you know you're not just overseeing the fishery Yeah. what's the thought process when it comes to almost designing a fishery like from scratch like this uh, well the thought process I would say is how would I want it to be right I'm a fisherman and how would I want it to be? What would I want to catch? What's the depth? Yeah. 
uh, vary in depth, so different times of year they'll move into different areas. Um, and basically, just trying to keep the majority of anglers happy because I'd, I'd sooner not just go down the single species list like carp or just F1s because then it's just a bit boring. You find that some people turn up fishing for F1s and want to catch 3,000 F1s. And this place here, you just don't know what you're going to catch. Now, I'll tell you what, I've, I can't believe it. We are in um, end of August and I haven't had a tench since April. Yeah. So I'm hoping for a tench. And I know there's some in here. So just for those as well, um, thinking of coming along, location-wise, we're on the Rugby Road yes. from Lincoln, so about northeast of Lincoln City Centre. Um, species, we know there's a bit of everything, but what about those visitors that want to come and try and target the biggest stamp? So biggest fish we're thinking is between, what, 15, 20 pounds? Yeah, yeah. What about tench? How big do they run to? Uh, tench go to about, I would say, four pounds. They're not massive at the minute, but they are growing. Barbel? Barbel, biggest will be six, six and a half. Really? Yeah. Okay. And these bream, I've just had my first fish down a little skimmer. We talk about skimmers, but I've seen some of the pictures from here, and last time I fished a match uh, not long ago, weather wasn't great, but I still managed skimmers. They were going up to like three pounds. You can't really call them skimmers. Well, I, I, I just call them skimmers. <laughs> um, What's the biggest bream then? I'd say three and a half pound yeah um, but the, the the amount what's in here is colossal and obviously at some point I will have to thin them out but um, I mean it's not uncommon if you come pleasure fishing to catch over 100 pound of skimmers on here on here yeah wow. or if you target the chub and eye you can catch 100 pound of chub and eye so for silverfish anglers it's really ticking a lot of boxes I was saying to you before I remember a chap when I was fi fished that match a few months ago peg next to you at the end there was catching a hell of a lot of chub eyed all sorts uh, fishing shallow so yeah I can imagine it's just it's nice to catch different species oh one. he come off that was an F1 Yeah, no, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for every time your float goes under, you don't know what it's going to be. All right, I've gone out onto the deep line, expecting to catch the skimmers, but they're not actually having it just yet. But I did notice when I was plumbing up, a lot of the skimmers are sort of mid-depth. Right. Um, but obviously feeding on a regular basis will take them down. And also... Doing what I'm doing also brings some carp into the swimming. You can actually catch a carp shallow over this as well. On, and you're fishing an expander on the hook for them shallow? Yes. Well, I always fish it. When I come to my peg here, I never bring anything but a big tub of expanders. I don't That's bring it. anything else. I don't think you need anything. Not other than it, anyway. And we were saying before, these cycles, of course, as the temperatures change and we go through the seasons, when do you think that the fish will start switching to probably smaller baits? First frost? Yeah, I would say so. Usually beginning of October. Yeah. Uh, just when the water temperature drops a bit, 
you'll still catch an expander throughout the winter but you do catch a lot more fish on the, the natural baits when it cools down. So maybe those micros and expanders that I was talking about before could be a good winter tactic? Yeah, yeah. Obviously in winter time I'd cut down the amount of bait I feed yeah. and just do it on a smaller scale, probably put a, a pot on rather than lose feeding by hand. So the, the logic, I mean my logic isn't working right now, just the one, <laughs> the one fish, but what I've done, I've put a ball of ground bait here in this deep water, just the one with a little bit of shot worm and caster. Um, there's some micros in there as well, just to, something to graze over. And they're fizzing like mad, a piece of worm over the top. And I've also put a line in on Steve's recommendation, about a metre or so off the far bank. Now, you'd be tempted because it's, it's a mud line. So you think to yourself, right, nice shallow rig straight over. And, and absolutely, if we're fishing for carp, I'd probably, whether it'd work or not, I'm not sure, but I'd probably tap in hard pellets and fish a hard pellet across there. But I've come off a metre, like Steve's recommended, and I've just put a little bit of chopped worm and caster in there, a little bit of micros, just a sort of a bit of a throwaway line at the minute. And um, if this fizzing gets too much and I'm not catching steady then I'll, I'll have a look over there but I'm only what five ten minutes in so Steve yourself two lines as well yeah one in the deep water one not quite as far across as me actually I've got three lines on the go at the moment right I've got one just there which is down the edge just down well a meter from the bank yeah I've got one there which is a top kit plus one and then one down the track you feed a lot heavier, uh, ho hopefully trying to get a big head of skimmers there, but it also brings the carp in as well, the carp will come shallow with yep. the amount of feed going in. The one on the top kit and one is where I want to catch the fish, because obviously that's going to be a lot quicker catching there. Then the one down the edge, I meet it from the bank just there, um, that's where the bigger skimmers tend to turn up. So feeding them all and just keep alternating and find out where the fish want to be. Yeah. But at the minute, the fish aren't really, they're not really fizzing as well as I'd imagine. Right, Steve, let's uh, let's see the master in action then because I've just got a jacuzzi in front of me. And we made a good point actually is that um, I did just have to re-plumb up because we were saying a lot of people, when that happens to the peg, don't be scared of it, you know, no, attack no. it but make sure you re-plumb up because they can dig out a couple of inches, can't they? That's right. A lot of people make that mistake. I see them here regularly saying, oh, it's gone a bit quiet, but it's still fizzing. Well, it's just a case of the fish channel all the silt out on a soft clay. Um, when there's a lot of fish feeding in your peg, it's going to happen. So yeah. re-plumbing is essential. It, like I say, it, half an hour could make all the difference. It could be an inch deeper. Yeah. Uh, like I've just plumbed up there... It, what we've been fishing 40 minutes yeah 40 minutes or so and um, it was nearly two inch deeper wow so it's essential to keep plumbing up all the time so let's have a little think about um because well oh there we go What's that one? good timing we'll have a little look at your work because of this mixed fishery Yes. It could be a two ounce skimmer or roach, it could be a ten pound carp. 
So what do we do about balancing our tackle? How do you rig up for fishing your water? Um, well, people who know me know that I'm, I'm an attacking angler. I always fish everything positive. I don't like to think of a scenario getting broken. So I always <laughs> yeah, fish no. I always fish heavy. I don't use hook lens, never have done, never will. Oh, you fish straight through? I always fish straight through. Right. And the rigs I'm using on here, even though there's a lot of small fishing, a lot of silvers in, I still think that my mindset is the fish aren't that bothered about the line, the hook. They see the bait and they take the bait. Because my rigs here are just... Um, the main, the main, well, the line is it's both 16 midi lovers, yeah, straight through to the hook. It's about five pound on all money, yeah. Uh, the hook is, um, you can't actually buy these anymore. These are my favorite hooks, midi 8313. Now, that's that's 14, but sometimes if I'm bagging, I'll even go to a 12. 12, yeah, yeah, because when you put a big, big bait, you put an expander on, even on that that 14 it buries it so it can easily get a 12 in yeah and i can't see the point in fishing small hooks and pulling out a fish plus the fact the line needs to be durable yeah, it's no good fishing something like or 12 line because if you're catching a lot of fish your line's rubbing on your net all the time yeah you shot or your stocks keep sliding up and down and it's all abrasion on your line yeah and to keep make sure that it's going to last i'd like to think that the rig's going to last at least one session if not more I always fish fish like I do but uh, like I say the, the shotting pattern's simple mm. I just put a bulk of number 8 stops and they're about what 10 inch? 8 to 10 eight inch, inch from yeah. the hook I don't have any droppers because I like to think that the the expander that last few inches is going to fall slowly and then the fish down there see dropping nice and steady and you do tend to get a lot of bites straight away as soon as it settles. Yeah. So Elastic? Uh, well, what I've got in here is the MIDI solid uh, high-vis, uh, I think it's 8 to 10, the yellow stuff. That's quite light then, really, isn't it? Well, it is, but to be fair, I think it's a lot higher rated than what they actually say. Ah, I see. It's, it's quite a... Th what? It is quite a thick elastic for an 8 to 10. Yeah. But it's got a lot of power as well. Because I can catch 10, 12, 14 pound fish, whatever, on here. And I can handle them easy with this. I don't yeah. have any problems whatsoever. Uh, I don't think you need to have too heavy elastic when you're fishing for a mixture of fish. Because no. then you're going to start bumping the smaller ones, the skimmers and other things like that, the F1s. And with a puller kit, you, you take yeah, your time, yeah. no problem. Yeah, Lots. with a puller kit. And especially if you've got a bead on, if you are struggling, you can always just... Tighten it up, yeah. Slide your bead down a bit, just get a little bit more tension in it. And what's that float? Well, these the floats where I use are, I ain't got none available, but the Dean Townsend floats. We'll have a zoom in in a minute. Yeah, they're just Dean Townsend floats, that's one of his, but um, I'll show you on the other one because they've, they've actually I've changed the colour on them and put that down for a second. These are the carbon F1s. Uh, I think they've got a two mil tip, yep. carbon stem, and the Chianti style float. And they're just perfect for this, this style of fishing. Uh, I just love them. And Dean Townsend floats are, in my opinion, they're the best floats you can buy. Solid, yeah. They're absolutely bomb proof. You can use these for two years and never have any problems with them. Uh, a lot of the 
shop bought floats. Um, they've just not got the life. They don't last. Yeah. So it all depends what you want out of your fishing. They're not expensive floats, so it's it's not like you're spending a fortune on them. But no, if they last as well, it's yeah. it's, uh, it's not a false economy, is it? Great. Well, what we'll do is we'll have a little zoom in on them so everybody can see what you're mm -hmm. looking at, and we can have a little look as well. We'll zoom in on this just to show how these six mil pellets. A size 12 is nothing. That's that's to me is like a little ball of paste. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, you if you put them in your fingers and rub them together. Yeah, they're great dancer. Yeah. There's hardly anything there. There's fish on your short line though. <laughs> I just want the swirling down me. <laughs> they carp. I'll leave them for a bit. Try and catch a few skimmers first. Well, the sun's come out, Steve. So I think it's time for me to. Have a look in that slightly shallower water over there. How are you getting on? Yeah, catching a few, you know, it's not wind off, but I'm sure it'll get better. I don't mind. I can sit here for two hours twiddling my thumbs and... Yeah, if, absolutely. If I... It's not bad when it's in your back garden, is it? No. It's not hard to travel home, have I? <laughs> no. So tell me, now we're um, we're starting getting established. We're, we're only twelve, so I, I think you're filling all your matches, aren't you? Yeah. And obviously, we're making a bit of a name in this area. Now, your accent is not a Lincolnshire accent. No, oh, certainly isn't. So tell me, how long have you been down here, and what what made you move to this area? Um. Well, I moved to Lincoln, well, what will it be, 15 years ago, yeah. from Sheffield. Grew up on a rough council estate in Sheffield. Got to the point where I didn't like what was happening on there, so we decided to move. Yeah. And um, decided to move down Lincolnshire, somewhere rural. So we moved, moved down this way. So, how did it come about with the the former fishery? So, you've been a fishery manager before, as we've said earlier on, you know, deciding to start with your own place. Yeah. So, how did all that start? There was a couple of venues that you looked after, right? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it, it all happened by accident, to be honest. Right. Uh, years ago, when I was fishing Drayton a lot, one day this guy turned up behind me and he says, are you Steve? I went, yeah, yeah, why? He says, my name's Mike Hamlington. He says, I've got a fishery called Tunnel Barn Farm. He says, have you heard of it? I went, no, mate, never. He went, exactly. He said, been told that, come and have a word with you and you might be able to sort me out to get me some people down here. So he says, come and visit me and let's have a chat. So I went down to see Mike. Great bloke, good, good friend of mine now. Yeah. And um, we came up with a plan to try and get, you know, sort of generating more people turning up. Um, within a couple of years, it was getting really busy. And then he decided, because it was getting busy, more lakes required, and it sort of took off. So what year was this about? Uh, that was it. Late 90s, I think it was. Yeah. Late 90s. I mean, look at Tunnel Barn today. It's amazing. One of the best fisheries in country. And um, 
started fishing Lindon quite a bit. This old lady what used to run it, he actually sold it and a guy called Neil Grantham bought it. Yeah. I was fishing there one day and again he come up to me and he says, are you Steve? I says, yes. He says, my name's Neil Grantham, I've just bought the place. I says, really? I says, oh, well done. It's a lovely place. He says, yeah. He says, um, I don't know anything about fish, I don't know anything about fishing. And I built for the man to come and talk to, to get me sorted. So again, I started helping Neil up there. And uh, we started getting plenty of people turning up on the matches. And, and I'd probably... I would say, if not, one of the best in the country. It's amazing. Uh, so Neil's what? done a lot to the place, he spent a lot of money, invested a lot of money in it. So it's just where it started off doing it, you see. So in what capacity? I mean, getting people to fish matches and spreading the word is one thing, but to develop a fishery for com you know, commercial use is another beast. So was it like a consultative basis or what? Well, yeah, it's consultancy, uh, unpaid consultancy. I just try to help them out like I try to help anybody I can. But uh, it's just nice to see that your advice and help pay off. Yeah. And to to this day, I mean, the, the, them two places are just unbelievable. And it's nice to know that somewhere down the line I had a little bit to do with that Some, yeah a bit of history behind it yeah yeah. well that's interesting so I've gone straight across I've not fed anything since the start when I only put in a tiny little toss pot of micras I'm just seeing a bit of this a bit of this worm mush yeah which is chop worm chop casters and a little bit of mushy micros in about what is that Three and a half foot. Three and a half foot. And two little babby carps. What tends to happen on, on this place? Early in the day, there's a lot of carp across, but later in the day, they tend to come down the track shallow and then go up line as well. Yeah. So now yeah. you're short. That's, that's my short line. I'll also have one just there, close in. But top kitten one in here is it's an amazing line to fit. And it's so quick when they turn up there, especially them two to three pound skimmer. Yeah. And if you can get from the chuck at that distance, you're laughing. It's a little bit slow today though. Maybe because it's just really muggy, isn't it? It's very humid today. What do fishery owners get wrong? What do they get wrong? Yeah. Quite a few things to be honest, but I'll tell you one of the main, probably the main thing, is greed, money. Greed? Yeah. A lot of them are just interested in the money side of it. Now, to be fair, I mean, this is only a small pond. I'm not going to make a lot of money out of this. In fact, it probably doesn't make any money because what I actually take on it, I'll invest back into it. Yeah. But some of them, the only thing they're interested in is money. Now, I know that's not the case with a lot of them, but I think they sort of get to the point where they're not interested in fishermen. They're not interested in how they feel. 
what do people think about the place. Only thing they want to do is take the money, gates after they've gone. Well, I think ultimately would impact fish welfare, no? You what, sorry? I think that that would impact fish welfare. If they don't care about the customers, then I, don't, I certainly won't care about the fish. It's an instant win. Uh -huh. Yay! There's a few of them in, mate. Ha <laughs> ha! A goldie. Wonderful. Let's talk about rules then. Yeah. Fish welfare. Here, I'd say you're quite liberal, i.e. <laughs> there isn't really any rules except the net limits. Why is that? I'm a fisherman myself and I don't believe in stupid rules. You go to some places and it takes you an hour to read all the rules. Yeah. And a lot of them. Nothing to do with fish be uh, benefiting the fish or the fishery. It's just some anglers get beat by a certain method and they just want it to get banned because yes. it doesn't suit them. And a lot of fishery owners actually take notice of it. My way of thinking is, let people do, do what As long as it's not de detrimental to the fish health or to the fishery, let them allow meat in moderation. Yeah. The only thing I don't allow is, I don't allow floating baits because that can ruin a fishery. And um, I don't allow tapping. Right, okay. Because tapping just annoys me for a start. When I did have a meal of fishery, what I had once, uh, there's some guy turned up fishing it, and somebody says, oh, they were just tapping all day. So I went the next match, I parked in the car park and watched them. All day, never fed a single pellet, just tapping the water. Right. They heavily stocked with F1s, obviously, but and they never fed a single thing. So at the end of match, I says, that's banned. Why? Because we're catching fish. I went, no, because you're not putting any bait in. So everybody started doing that. They should die. Didn't ban it, to be honest, but I'm not watching silly rules. Well, that was a little skimmer then, so little carp, little skimmers, goldfish. I've got some carp shallow in my peg now, but... Have you? I don't I'm not going to fish for them just yet. Some big F1s I've seen and some carp. Even on the short line as well. Who would you rate as the best angler you fish with or against? The best? Yeah tricky one because I've fished with some most of the best anglers in the country and I've um, uh, what would I say the best? It depends what you mean by the best is it, is it the person who's won the most who's done the most Well it might be a, it might be a name that we wouldn't necessarily associate you know it's I easy, it's, it's easy to say Alan Scott on or Bob Nudd or whatever but well no I mean to be fair I've got respect for all the top anglers what do really well but I suppose one of the anglers what um, I had a lot to do with a few years ago when I was with MAP yeah was Darren Cox yes and Darren Cox is just an amazing all round angler his skills and his knowledge is 
absolutely out of this world. And I would say, I'll probably class him because he's a really nice guy as well. He is, isn't he? I've got a lot of respect for Darren. And, um, yeah, Darren Cox. Well, one for the listeners. If you've not listened to the podcast, have a listen. Darren Cox, episode six, series one, I think. Sometimes we get a couple of older anglers. Yeah, yeah, we do. And they can't fish 12 metres of pole. Does anybody use a rod across? Little yeah, they do. We get some old guys coming on, uh, and they just fish, uh, fish waddler. Yeah. Some of them, not very well, but they always catch plenty of fish. Uh, there's one, there's a couple of guys actually, a couple of old guys that come, and they fish waddler and they fish mussel. Mussel? Yeah. And they always do really well. They catch a lot of big carp, and even some big eels as well. Yeah. Never caught Neil. I had one last week, first one I've caught in here. Do you have any problems with otters or out like that? No. Not at the minute, fingers crossed. What few I've got left. Yeah, there's a lot of fish out there. So you've gone shallow now? No, I've gone back. They just... I don't know. They, they're not really feeding properly yet. If I just give them a little bit longer, they might do Getting a lot of liners. Seems to be a lot of fish up in water today. It must be air pressure. It's, it's unsettled them a little bit. Last couple of weeks, is, since that heat wave finished. Me personally, I don't think anglers take enough notice of the weather. Oh, well. <laughs> to be fair, weather makes a massive difference to the fishing. Pressure changes, temperature changes. Phases of the moon, all stuff yep. like that. It's all the pay a massive difference in the fishing. Got a flying skimmer. But most of all is the air pressure. Yep. But one of the biggest problems most fisheries have faced this year is the sheer temperatures. I mean, this got water got up to 27.7 degrees. That's what. Well, it's it's tropical fish water that is, and cold water fish just don't like it. I did. A l I'd lost a few fish through it, and um, it's a bit distressing. But there's not a lot you can do. You can't turn the sun down, unfortunately. And with all this climate change, I guess it's something we've got to get used to. Anyway. Yeah. Looking at your tan, though, you don't seem to. Well, I'm always outside. <laughs> I'm not an indoor person. I, I'm always out finding things to do. There's always plenty of work to do, so. I don't shy away from work and never have done. If it needs doing, I'll do it. Well, Steve, we've been fishing a few hours now, and I think it's fair to say that your expander tactics have worked a bit better than my natural baits. But I can't say I've not caught. I've had a fair few skimmers and a few small carp and bits and pieces. Um, And of course, filming and all the rest of it. And with you being the venue expert, I was never gonna outfish you. I don't fish it that often, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but the striking thing is how many species have been caught. And that's what the whole purpose of today was about, really. Highlighting a mixed fishery yeah. with various ways that you can approach it. I mean, I've... 
no point in going through my rigs because they've not been as effective as yours, but I've fished very traditional with relatively light line, 0.15, so 0.13 up length, with a bulk and two droppers. Feeding this little mulch of worm and casters and uh, micro pellets. And they're fizzing like mad, you know, and the ground bait's drawn them in and drawn them down. That's just not been as as quick as, as yourself. But I've really enjoyed it. I've had skimmers, bits and pieces, but you've had crusions, tench, bream, carp, goldfish. Um, I think I've had the best perch in the like, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> All two ounce of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a real mixed bag. The only thing I've not seen is any gudgeon. No, there's no gudgeon in. <laughs> That's a good thing. Uh, I drove the line at gudgeon. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, the carp haven't really fed today. It's just no. one of them days where they don't want to feed. But having said that, you don't need to catch carp to do any good. You can fish for, like I say, you can fish for your skimmers. You can fish for ice, uh, F1s. And you're going to do all right just fishing for whatever you, you want to catch. It's an enjoyable day's fishing. Rather than being forced into catching one species, you can pick what you want to go for and compete, which is the main thing. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I've had a, I've had a quick 20 minutes shallow the caster over this track line and, uh, you know, feeding it for sort of five, 10 minutes. Them eyed were, were straight up. And, uh, you know, I've had a couple of big eyes as well. I could have stuck on that if I wanted and, yeah, yeah. you know, really gone for them. But these lovely sort of, you know, palm-sized skimmers going right up to two, three pound. I just, I'd rather wait for the bites. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and get one of them than, than sort of fishing shallow. And they were a bit tricky, to be fair, even though they were coming right up to six inches deep. They weren't hooking themselves around. No. So... No, I, I just, we're pleasure fishing and I, you know, I like fishing this way, so. Yeah, that's right. That, and that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you come along to all farm fishery and you just choose how you want, we, we discussed before, if you're not a pole angler, you could fish a waggler, these old guys fishing mussels and things like that. I, I imagine chucking a little pellet feeder or hybrid feeder to that far bank would be deadly. Yes. Um, so I guess the, the, the learning point is if you come along to this venue, you fish how you want to and you'll have a good day's sport, without a doubt. Steve's expander tactics have been brilliant and that's certainly something, here he is again, uh, that I'll be employing next time I visit. But whatever you want to do, you'll catch fish. Another tench, look. What have we got there? Tench. Oh, lovely, show that one to the camera. Look at that. It's only a small one, but they're just lovely to catch, aren't they? Yeah, I'm jealous. There you go. Beautiful. All on these, this real simple, that's all you've got, expanders on the side. I don't bring anything else to the bank. I don't feel like I need to fish anything else at the moment. Fantastic. I've got 100% confidence that it's going to work. So it's um, just a shame some other people don't take no because <laughs> I always see people way. not catching fish when there's fish to be caught. Oh, I'll certainly be taking notice uh, next time I visit, be expanders all the way. But I will have this back up. I will have some natural baits. And I think the ground bait is interesting because it's definitely concentrated the fish in one spot. Another skimmer? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Small one. Yeah, I think definitely, I think as we get into the colder weather as well, I think ground bait would be a real good... Yes, it will. ...good tactic. To be fair, I mean, when when the temperature drops, I will be moving to ground bait. Yeah. I'll be using um, my own green pellet crumb. Yeah. And I'll, I'll still fish an expander over the top, but I will have backup baits like maggot and worm as yep. well, because sometimes it can change, and it can change quickly, and if you're not prepared, then you can fall foul of that. But obviously this time of year, I know for a fight that I'm going to catch on these, so that's the only thing I bring with me. And what is there? Uh, what's the match record so far? Um, it's not much. About 160 pound. But um, I don't really want people coming catching no. two, three hundred pounds. Which is what we said. To be Absolutely. Steady fishing. Oh. Well, there you go. I mean, you've had four fish whilst I'm still waiting. These F1s get tangled in your net, though. They do. <laughs> Uh, just a final tactic worth covering off as well. Um, the one that you're famous for, paste fishing. How does that work on here? Paste is excellent. To be fair, it's it's a bit I'm renowned for using, but on here I don't very often use it. But the days I have used it, I've done so well. Yeah. Uh, I can remember it was um, back end of last year. I fished on peg one. And nobody wanted to fish down there, and I kept saying to them, it, it's a big must fish for big fish. So I went there and fished pace one day, and I absolutely emptied it with like fish from eight up to 14 pounds. I was getting one a chuck. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. But even the skimmers, you can catch skimmers on the pace. Using smaller lumps of paste, you'll, you'll catch a big weight of skimmers. Yeah. I love it. Now, Steve, it's been brilliant. So I think what we'll do is we'll fish for a little bit longer and then we'll give ourselves a, a little bit of a catch shot. Yeah, nice one. For all your fishing needs, be sure to check out Fishing Evolution. Boasting two floors of branded displays, visit our recently expanded superstore at Hadley Road in Sleaford where we offer a huge range of tackle from all of the leading course and cart brands, such as Nash, Fox, Corda, Drennan, Preston, Guru, Daiwa, and many, many more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we share all of the latest news and updates about products available in store. So there we go. That is the end of a short podcast this time round. Uh, hopefully it's as enjoyable as the more thorough ones which we've done in the past and something quite different and, and a little bit unique to what we've done in the past as well. Just like getting out on the bank with Steve, having a chat and having a fish. Um, of course, as I said, the YouTube link will be in the description of the podcast. So once again, thanks for listening. Oh, 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 oh,